1: Visit roberthalf.com today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: Welcome back to Morning Footy, a busy weekend of football in England. The community shield this is a I would say a pretty big big game actually I want to get into that and just how how these teams approach this game but what did you guys make of this matchup between Arsenal and Man City as we watch the highlights right yeah, now that the, going to penalties
3: this was a, a big match just for the psyche of of Arsenal going into this season because Manchester City they they won the treble they, they're the team mm-hmm. now they've given up some big big pieces, some depth pieces, some I'd say Ilkay Gundogan is actually a centerpiece for the squad, but Arsenal get their 17th win in the Community Shield and It it, it was an impressive performance, wouldn't you you say?
0: I completely agree. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you look at the first half, Manchester City had an XG of 0.1. What was the XG of Erling Haaland? I don't know. Do you know? 0.00. Yeah. I mean, tactically, this was a huge step, I think, for Mikel Arteta. You and I were there, Manchester City. He got bodied. Bodied. I almost got bodied in the dance. <laughs> uh, no, you, you did <laughs> <get bodied>. <laughs> <laughs> And you also weren't on the field helping McCullough, and you weren't up there helping me either. Uh, this was a huge step forward. There's some question as to how serious Pep takes this, but yeah. he's such a competitive person that he doesn't want to lose. And to be tactically outclassed in that first half this way, it wasn't until the second half where you saw Grealish start tucking back in. They go back to a box midfield. Yeah. I think what you started to see is Julian Alvarez – not really that midfielder. He doesn't have that ability. He needs to be a forward and play up top. But that's where Erling Holland is. So though, that, that combo, if you're going to… I disagree with that. Okay. Though. Well, you would see him get sort of stuck between uh, Walker and uh, Martinelli was able to sort of with, uh, withstand uh, and defend both of them. It wasn't until – and also Odegaard and Havertz up top mm-hmm. putting that press on, stopping them from being able to advance that ball mm-hmm. forward – Absolutely impressive. And I think stopping that is what stopped their ability to move forward. Though for us, for, our, for Arsenal, as opposed to us, the glaring issue, I think, is when you saw Grealish tuck in, you really saw Kanji be able to sort of get down that line. And Saka doesn't have the defensive awareness. He has the speed to catch up to him, but he doesn't have the uh, defensive awareness to sort of stop him from getting forward. And that's where you can start to create a lot of those issues down that left flank. And also, they're leaving channels open. But if you're an Arsenal fan, like Charlie and I, I think you take from that some real big positives yeah. Yeah. with a, the Rice midfield. I think and at timber. the end of the day. Tim- timber?
3: timber really yes. impressed me. Out of position. Left
0: back, f- filling in,
3: and you just saw his ability to read the game, comfortable on the ball. Good time,
0: timely tackles, and and no mistakes. No. So the, the only and th- his awareness was on point. The, the, he knew where to be and when to be. The yes. only thing with
4: urian Timber because I I imagine Arteta's okay with this because he's he's a right center back in a three man back line. This is the first time I've ever seen urian Timber play left back mm-hmm. because he wants to cheat t- to that foot. He doesn't have that much verticality, but I imagine because he'll pop into the midfield and he'll start to associate with players on the inside, it was, he, he, was, he was always turning inside instead of... He, he never got high up the pitch. That, and, that's yeah, left we, don't, and we don't and want that. And imagine... Right. right. I understand you Our don't want doesn't that. doesn't want that.
3: But Zinchenko can give you that. I actually, yeah, but you, but would, he, he you wouldn't ask, he ask if him. Yet. He doesn't get down the left flank. You don't Zinchenko, want him to do yeah, that. Yeah, because Martinelli's there the whole time. Right. right. Zinchenko, right. His, his main responsibility... As, in, he, as he said in, in that interview with Rio Fernand, inside. come inside. Yeah, that's and, fine. And you either have to follow him or you stay, and then he has more freedom well, to make. And let me, let me just explain.
0: Jurian uh-huh. Timber coming in, Rice starts way deeper than Shaka used to in that position last he, season. He drops between the center backs. Right. So uh-huh. Rice will start much more defensively, and that's where you need Urian Timber to remain on that back line. Right. But the moment yeah. he starts to go forward, where Shaka would have spent most of the majority of the game up top, he very rarely would have come back unless he was absolutely needed to. But now when he goes up, Urian Timber slides right into that position where... Uh, you know, someone who's a bit more m- midfield uh, or I should say centrally, sure. you know, located now perfectly in line. What was
4: impressive by Arsenal was how they were able to keep possession. And in fact, mm-hmm. if Kai Havertz gets one of those early goals, one of the two should have mm. gone in. It, it would have been a different game. It would have, I think, changed the dynamic of how City approached things. Yeah. City, City's a team that, that's very comfortable when it's 0-0 because they can hold possession. But there were moments where Arsenal kind of... Turned the game on its head in, in the possession. They were dictating the a little. Bit, they were dictating a little bit more. They, they, they held the ball. Um, Bukayo Saka was constantly running, running at a kanji. Sometimes with success, okay. sometimes without. But it was a very different. Arsenal performance versus Manchester City as opposed to the other couple of times that we saw late in the it, season where Manchester City was the one that imposed themselves throughout the majority majority of the yes. game. Just,
2: just, just uh, quickly, quickly here because mm-hmm. before I when I was alluding to this just how maybe teams approach this game and, and you guys are both Arsenal supporters so mentally to get a win over Manchester City when I think it's been the last eight they haven't beaten them so Some of the players were kind of talking about that as well, how that can really do a lot for them going into the season, especially like a statement, literally Aaron Ramsdale called it a statement win. Do you buy into that? Do you think that that can be like, that can really help propel them?
3: Yeah, it's not so much the Community Shield because Pep Guardiola after said, yeah, we've lost the last two, but we've won two Premier League titles, so Mm -hmm. who cares? Community Shield means nothing. Mm. It's more of a way to start the season off Mm -hmm. on the right foot because Mm -hmm. Arsenal have won the Community Shield Plenty of times and have not done well <laughs> throughout right. the, the season. <laughs> it doesn't equate so so it much. D- it, d- that That does not equate to winning the Premier League. But I think for Arsenal in this instance, knowing that they're chasing Manchester City, that's the one team mm-hmm. they feel they need to compete to get over the hump to win the Premier League title. This game does a lot for the, the, the mental state of Arsenal. Absolutely. I hope it's yeah. not a Liverpool situation from last year. Great. Thank
2: <laughs> you for that. <laughs> and with that, let's move on.
5: Uh, elsewhere yeah. elsewhere awesome. the
2: <laughs> The Scottish Premiership kicked off uh, this past weekend as well. Celtics taking on Ross County and a goal coming here in the 26th minute. Celtic already up 2-0 with this one.
3: Yeah, it's no stranger to goals for Celtic. Kyogo Furashi finished that off the counter. And then Matt O'Reilly adds the third goal, finishes off a beautiful passage of play.
0: But here comes James Brown. He said, Fwakada. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the action on the, the, I mean, this
4: is expected, right? Celtic uh, renewed a little bit with a new manager. This was a result of the weekend. I mean, Kumarnock beating Rangers?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Can what you say, say fallen from grace? Yeah, this is not expected.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously a lot of hype made oh. around this team in the summer. We know about their expectations as well. I but mean, it's, it's a two this, team it's a two horse race. It's a two horse race. So so I and mean, that, you've got
4: to maintain in, in in Scotland there's always going to be moments where the other one slips up a little bit and you yeah. say okay this is our opportunity especially especially when they play each other. But every so often someone will, will drop, but it's mostly perfection. Mm-hmm. There's very rarely match one? they won. Yeah. They deflected
2: a little bit post game. I think they said something like that. there's still thirty seven games left or something is, like that. But is, but you're absolutely of, right Time when up. it is it is a two horse race how much did this game really matter
3: we'll, we'll see at the end of the season yeah. Br- every, right. every game matters yeah. in this league for Rangers and Celtic because of that competition and you would you, you would hope if you're a Rangers fan that without Anj Pasukoglu leaving for Tottenham that maybe they they drop a little bit without mm-hmm. with a new manager but a, a manager that's already already had success uh, in Brendan Rodgers with Celtic in the past so Obviously, he's delighted to start
0: off the campaign with a win. All also, shouts right. to Kilmarnock's uh, logo. It's two squirrels praying over a soccer ball and a guy doing a finger gun. <laughs> that's pretty dope. <laughs> I thought well, you made and, that. looks <laughs> <laughs> no, like I did on an iPad. No joke. And, <laughs> and, and a classic soccer ball, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, oh, that's a that's Telstar, great. bro. They're praying <laughs> that over that Telstar, dog. No? <laughs>
3: this is a lot.
0: Yeah. This is Alexis'
4: yeah. I way. do this yeah. a lot. When and I get Latin, a bit going. In Latin, or is this that, that way? And confidemus. In Latin,
0: like. Yeah. Come on, that's epic. Finger guns, bro. Wow. Shouts to shout out my Jamaicans out there. What a crush. Growing up in Newark, you learn to do this after a good joke.
2: There were some other notable You do it every uh, time NFL to start the show. No, that's straight. Results for us to, uh, to look back on quickly as well, I believe, from the weekend. Yes, Sheffield Wednesday, losing to Southampton. Leicester. Uh,
4: big win.
2: Big one. Leeds United Cardiff City that they drew. Leicester they City with a two one win over Coventry. Any other ones that stood out for you from the weekend?
4: I mean, Leeds being down 2-0 against Cardiff to start the championship campaign was pretty big and to come back win 2-2, Leicester starting off winning, Mm Jamie Vardy back
0: in it. Hey,
2: uh, Westbrook was
0: at
4: the
2: Leeds game. Oh really?
0: Russell Westbrook? was he not? I saw a photo of him at the Leeds game. Yeah, part owner. I
2: don't know. Oh wow. He looked confused. I'm not going to lie
0: to you. He looked a little confused. Yeah, Our Jenny
2: 2 is back with headlines when we return on Morning Footy. Plenty more coming your way. Welcome back to morning footy here's a look at our footy fix coming your way a big matchup tonight between the New York Red Bulls and the Philadelphia Union some Leagues Cup action as well Charlotte taking on Houston the winner of that game will face inner Miami and then World Cup action continues Jamaica tomorrow morning early on taking on Colombia, and France taking on Morocco and with that, we have, oh no, not yet. We have a score update. Not yet, Jenny Chu, just a second. Uh, we have some score updates for you. Uh, Australia with a 2-0 lead or over Denmark so far in the second half of that game.
6: Now we go to Jenny Chu with the headlines. Um, that's awesome for Australia, by the way, host country doing amazing against Denmark. But uh, Columbia, Jamaica, now I need to know who's watching it since uh, Charlie called out Nico there, a little, a little joke.
4: It's at, it, it's uh, we have, we're gonna have to wake up tomorrow. Like it's like near our alarm clock going off. So don't. So worry. we'll all watch mm-hmm. together early. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's do nah, it. All right. Together, we'll see but. you
6: guys tomorrow morning. <laughs> Let's begin with news from MLS. According to multiple reports, DC United is on the verge of terminating Taxi Funtas' contract amid an MLS investigation of an allegation that the Greek forward directed a racial slur at teammate Nigel Roberta. Funtas' departure, exactly, will end a stormy 15-month period with the MLS club, during which the All-Stars' talents have been overshadowed by two accusations of racial abuse. As Charlie alluded to there, Funtas and Roberta were placed on administrative leave during an MLS probe of altercation between them, during and after United's loss to New England's revolution on July 15th. In European news, Atalanta are closing in on their latest summer signing target as West Ham forward John Lucas Camaca is set to sign a $32 million contract, including add-ons. According to multiple reports, the deal between the two clubs has been agreed on, making Stamaka the third West Ham player to leave the Premier League club this transfer window. And speaking of West Ham... They are about to sign Ajax midfielder Edson Alvarez to the Hammers. They are eager to reinvest the $105 million they made from the sale of Declan Rice earlier this summer. And they have reportedly reached a verbal agreement of over $40 million for Edson. The 25-year-old holding midfielder from Mexico who ranks in the top 5% of European midfielders is expected to sign a deal through 2028. It will be the first signing of the Premier League side this summer. Now let's talk about some record-breaking news in the world of women's soccer. The ninth Women's World Cup became the best-attended one yesterday when over 27,700 fans packed into Melbourne Rectangular Stadium to watch Sweden's penalty shootout win over the United States in the round of 16 to set a new tournament attendance record. The previous record was 1.35 million and that was set in Canada in 2015. Continuing with women's football, U.S. Women's National Team veteran Julie Ertz announced her likely retirement from the squad moments after the team's knockout loss against Sweden yesterday. Ertz appeared in every match during the U.S. Women's National Team Championship run in the 2015 and 2019 World Cup. She also played in every minute of their tournament run this iteration. Ertz is a two-time Olympian and a World Cup winner with 122 appearances for the U.S. over 10 years, scoring 20 goals. Alexis, this is a tough way for Julie Ertz to go out after such a storied career with the national team. But is this a sign that this is a new time for a new cycle of players? Yeah, and
0: look, no disrespect to Julie Ertz, right? Two-time World Cup winner, two-time World Cup Best 11, uh, two-time USSF Female Player of the Year. I mean, an incredible career, an incredible athlete, and someone who you would hope would uh, lead to the leadership within a squad like this. But I think this is a sign of that taking that turn for uh, U.S. soccer, especially on this women's national team, where we now need to look at the youth. The same thing that happened when the men didn't qualify for the 2018 World Cup. Mm-hmm. We look towards the youth, and there's going to be some rough moments. But we've had rough moments with the with this squad. And for two, two tournaments in a row to be knocked out, to me, is a sign that the dominance that we've had over the rest of the world in this women's game is no longer there. And now we need to look at the youth. We need to look at some fresher ideas. And I think, no disrespect to Julia, it's, again, an incredible. Player and salute to you for everything you've done for this nation and for the team. Yeah. But I think now the question becomes, who's next? And the question becomes, who's coaching that next team? And that is a glaring, glaring point. If, if, if
4: there would have been a little bit more anticipation going into this World Cup with the changing of the guard, with, with the mm-hmm. veterans and the new squad, just to have better backup plans with for the likes of Rapino the likes of mm-hmm. Morgan the mm-hmm. likes of Ertz like Ertz was like a break glass in case of emergency call up to That's the national we, team because she was right after having that kid yeah. and, and and we didn't know if she was
2: That's healthy an interesting enough point. If, you, um, if you look back to that time you know a few months back we were wondering if she was even going to make right. the roster and and we're going right. to dive deeper into this whole like in the next block uh, and, and, Jenny, I'm going to get you, but I just want to give her one moment here because I didn't even realize her son's not even a year old yet. And the fact oh, that incredible. she was back on the field in April, like she was starting in April. I mean, I had a baby. He's, he's a, almost a year and a half. That is so hard to do mentally, physically, emotionally, everything. What she did to get back to this place, just I've always had respect for her and, and all the moms. I know that lots lot's been made about the moms on this team, but like that she could do that in the time frame that she did it and, and really be an impact maker in this tournament. I mean, respect to her and, and just
6: hats off to an incredible career. Yeah. I completely agree, Michelle. Um, just like you guys both said, hats off to Julia. It's the fact that she's coming back from having her baby as well. But I think that this loss at the, was so sad because it was the end for quite a few mm-hmm. players um, that we've seen on the national team for a while. Uh, whether they announced it or not, it is the end of their kind of cycle. Um, but as Nico alluded to there, after the Olympics, I think that there should have been a change of guard then. And we might not be in this position. It wouldn't going to just a strong change
4: of guard just help usher out this generation, so it wasn't so it's not so black and white between sure. the, the, the two. Middle. There's nothing right? in the middle. There's nothing in the middle. It right. just well, it and, felt like and this and
0: World Cup was veterans and youngsters. But I also I also don't know that I have the most confidence if that would have happened that Vlacco would have been the right after seeing these tactics <laughs> in this World Cup <laughs> would have been sure. the, but, the right coach again, to lead that.
2: But after a result like this, does it in a way make it easier to transition now?
0: Well there's now, a
2: statement, at least it it's there's, it's, there's a, there's for a sure. reason to do it. It, it. it might right. have been
0: easier with a World Cup win, to be honest with you. It go out on
2: top salute to you,
0: you
3: know. Now, that's true. Been nice. that's,
2: that's a good point. Yeah, it would have well. been nice, yeah.
0: but now
3: that they're in the their deepest darkest moment you mm-hmm. come you rise out of the ashes. Mm-hmm. It's a phoenix. It's a mm-hmm. for for a lot of these women, you you see the potential. There's a lot of young players that got valuable moments with these veterans mm-hmm. um, and they were able to, you know, see what it takes to win at this level. Mm-hmm. And it's not just running in behind and being direct or playing long ball. You have to have tactics yep. to break down some of these different teams, different styles, be adaptive. If only and, there was
0: someone on this panel that could break down the tactics
3: yeah, of I, this women's national I'm actually team.
2: really <laughs> excited for this, this next segment because, Charlie, you are going to do a deep yes. dive on this team. The one thing I want to say is Julie Ertz was interviewed and it, she they, she was asked, you know, what do you hope these young girls kind of take away from this from you, you know, and, and, and some of the other veterans, and she said grit. And I think now is a really important time. They face that adversity and we need to see that grit. So we'll mm-hmm. see if they pass the torch in that way as well. Like we said, when we come back, we've got a deep dive on the U.S. Women's National Team where we point the fingers, lots of recaps to get to as well.
5: Selling a little or a lot?
3: Good morning and welcome back to Morning Footy. This is another edition of a Davies Deep Dive and we're gonna take a, a look at the US Women's National Team and some of the issues that they had in the attacking third. Because yes, they did have their best match against Sweden in the World Cup, but it wasn't good enough in the attack and scoring goals was an issue which we didn't anticipate heading into this tournament. So let's take a look at play number one here. In transition, you see Sonnet pick it up and then boom, get on the on the dribble. Sophia Smith is so dynamic and then this is where you want Alex Morgan 1v1, but look, hesitating, hesitating. Instead of going at Amanda Ilset, she cuts back into her weaker right foot. That's an area where you wanna see Alex Morgan thrive being confident and just going at at the player and getting onto her stronger left foot to take that shot. That's what we've seen her in the past, blowing by that center back in that 1v1 situation. So now you're saying, okay, what else can we do? Sophia Smith in between the lines. This is where she's so dynamic. I would love to see her play central because she can find those pockets, check, pull defenders out of space. Now you see Trinity Rodman here. She's got to buzz to the line and whip it across, cut to her left foot, take a shot, or the runners in the box have to be taking great ankles, And that's a play, again, Alex Morgan could be receiving on the far post. Didn't come across well for the US Women's National Team in those scenarios. And the final one, again, Sophia Smith foraging down the channels on the flanks. But instead of playing Alex Morgan in behind, which is her strength, she plays a ball in behind Lindsey Horan. These are just some of the plays that highlight some of the struggles that this U.S. women's national team had in the attack. The lack of ideas, the lack of creativity, and making those smart decisions in the attacking third to play to the strengths of the players that they're they're playing alongside. And Alex Morgan, at this age of 34, she needs to play in behind. That's her strength. It's not checking. It's not coming back and, and, and finding a pass. It's playing off the shoulders of the center backs. And if she's not doing that, you could see that she, she didn't have that effect that we typically see Alex Morgan have mm-hmm. in past World Cups playing with this U.S. Women's National Team. So mm-hmm. the dynamic of that trio with Trini Rodman, Sophia Smith, and Alex Morgan did not work because they were all making similar runs mm-hmm. and you didn't have enough to pull center backs or those outside backs out of position so you had those numerical advantages either in the wide areas or, or down the
0: middle. Do you think it was a mistake to make her co-captain in hindsight no she she has over 200 caps it's Alex Morgan. If you take her then
3: there's no reason why she shouldn't be a co-captain right. if she's playing absolutely right the you issue think- was that she was playing more than you would have if he,
4: if Charlie Olenowski. Mm-hmm. What, what's, what's what, a, what a horrific, <laughs> horrific visual. <laughs> what, what, what would have been your <laughs> eleven
3: yesterday? Vlaco Davies. Oh, yeah. um,
4: Vlaco Davies. Yeah. No. What would have been your eleven not be yesterday?
3: Yeah. Already. Well, yeah, yesterday. Sophia Smith. She didn't have a great tournament. She started off with two goals against Vietnam, but that was a, a country that's getting their first opportunity to World Cup, mm-hmm. largely inexperienced, mm-hmm. and they didn't have the quality. But. Given that, Sophia Smith offers you so much more as a a center forward. If she's playing in that position, because she checks deep and plays that link up and she has the ability to get in behind, and I love her change of pace. She, she dribbles at players, which also creates more of those mismatches and gives more space for Sherry Rabin or Lynn Williams or Alyssa, Alyssa Thompson. Thompson. But we never got to see those players because Vlako did not give them an opportunity. Forget the experimenting before the World Cup mm-hmm. to, to try different trios, maybe to play with two up top. We never got to see that given mm-hmm. that you, you could play maybe a Sophia Smith with Alex Morgan or Sophia Smith with a Trini Robin. What a dynamic duo that could be. Yeah. We didn't see that. And then even in the group stage, I expected rotations, which you see from every other country. Japan had been flip-flopping. Mm-hmm. their are uh, attacking players throughout the World Cup. They, Vlako did not do it enough, he didn't even do it. And then when he made substitutions, it was far too late. Well, so that, that's a reason why you didn't see that chemistry where this team could be thriving in the attacking third.
2: Why do you think there was such hesitancy to really deviate from this same starting 11? I mean, aside from the two changes we saw, you know, before this game, but, but just in general, obviously this has been a criticism throughout the tournament. Mm. Why do you think the hesitancy was there?
0: I'm, for me, the ratio of la- you know being stubborn versus not depth. not knowing what else to do, mm-hmm. uh, to me at the beginning of the competition is very different to how I feel today. And he took an he he took already from the beginning he took an unbalanced squad to the World Cup. Mm-hmm. It makes still makes no sense to me. We talked we talked a little bit about Julia. It still makes no sense to me why we didn't even see her play in the six. Or Ashley Sanchez. Ashley Sanchez. The fact that we she goes home and doesn't need time. to clean her boots. Is ridiculous to me. We lacked dynamism when, uh, until Rose Lavelle was healthy enough to start, and the moments she played, we showed that dynamism up top. As soon as she's out with yellow card accumulation, which I think is a ridiculous rule, that it stays once you get to the knockout stages. But whatever, once she's out for a game, the fact that Ashley Sanchez doesn't even come in as a sub is absolutely ridiculous to me. So, why, what is it for me? I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say it. He doesn't have, he doesn't have the creativity. It's not stubbornness. It's the lack of creativity. He did not know what else to do. That's the only assumption I can come up with.
3: And and you just talked about unbalance. It's not only the roster selections, it's the way the team's set up and the style Mm -hmm. of play. If you have three wingers, three Mm -hmm. forwards that are just north-south a a lot, for the most part, Sophia Smith can come inside, but are bombing to to make runs in behind. Mm -hmm. All three do the same runs, okay? Then your midfield, you play with two that do the same thing, Rose Lavelle when she is healthy, Mm -hmm. and Lindsey Horan, who can, who can play as a 10, but they're mm-hmm. bombing forward, and you leave one Andy Sullivan who doesn't have the pace to do it by herself. Mm-hmm. And it's not till a knockout round game, because Rose is suspended, that you go with double pivot sixes and you mm-hmm. realize, oh, we got the midfield back. Mm-hmm. Oh, we have protection across the back four. Mm-hmm. You didn't think of that until the knockout round to try that. And Emily Sonnet, as great as she was, she was incredible in that yes, guess. That's not the best option that you have. If you had time, given that this is the formation we're going to run with, to make sure that this will help our front three the most, given that that's supposed to be the strength of this U.S. women's national team Mm -hmm. with the pace and strength and goal-scoring prowess that they have. These women are phenomenal as individuals. Mm -hmm. But as a team, they were not set up well to get the most out of this group. And that comes from the leadership and the coaching. I
4: I know the 11 you would have fielded. It's It's a listener. The, sa- the same back line. You would have done. Double- oh no! You would put Alana Cook in the center as a center back. Move Julie Ertz alongside, um, alongside Andy Sullivan, Lindsay Hiran at the ten, Trinity Rodman at that nine, Sophia
3: Smith and Lynn Williams out wide. You like you you like that? I uh, do I do like that. A lot. You like that better like than what I saw. Lynn Williams came in and was phenomenal has- at changing the game and just just being so d- decisive. Right? It's not about hey, can I. You know, do X, Y, Z good and, and do these step overs. Just be decisive yeah. and be very good at that one thing that you do. And that's what Lynn Williams is. She can beat anyone down the line. Mm-hmm. And she'll do it, do it, do it. There's no there's no hesitation. And that is what really hurt uh, Anderson, the, the left back for, for Sweden, who also mm-hmm. plays for my former club, Hammarby, for the women's side. Um, but... It's just it's just painful to see that the U.S. Women's national even crash out, given how much talent they have on that roster. It's not that, man, they, they
0: were, just weren't good enough. No, we had the
3: players they, on the bench the to win. They had the
2: players. Yeah. We
0: had the players on the bench to win.
2: Which makes you think that maybe, if you're going to look at this, I'm a positive person, uh, glass half full, that the pieces are there. Not it's the just, glass It's glass just is broken. a question of how to. Glass is broken. Everything's <laughs> how they, spilled. How they all fit in with one another. And there's a little bit of time to figure mm-hmm. that out. Uh, we got to move on, though. Uh, league Un kicks off this weekend. We're going to preview that when we return. Welcome back to Morning Footy. Some notable opening weekend fixtures in League One this weekend, guys. Anything stand out to you? Are you? Excited to see any of these matchups?
0: Who starts for PSG?
1: Mm-hmm. That's a big <laughs> question mark, huh?
0: Yeah, it's. I,
3: I, I hope that the Mbappe saga ends soon, mm-hmm. so everyone can move on. Because I think when once that domino falls, we we might see another some more action pick up in the transfer
0: market.
2: Uh, so Lee dropped in the UEFA coefficients. Before we dive into just these teams where they stand this year, and that Mbappe drama as well, just. A quick refresher for, yeah. for anyone watching at home. Just what does that mean?
4: Yeah, the UEFA club coefficient is essentially every member association of UEFA, so the countries essentially, it's where they stand, where they rank in UEFA. France has dropped out of the top five. They were they switched places with the Netherlands that has made mm-hmm. it into the top five. So what this, does that mean for this Champions League season precisely? Um, the season leading into here for the UEFA Champions League group stage spots that took you direct into um, the group stage. Mm -hmm. France only had two direct spots. They they used to have a little bit more, but now that that third direct Champions League spot went to another member association, which is Serbia, for this Champions League. If you look at it in the bigger picture, moving forward for this season, just because... The next season, champ not the one coming up, but mm-hmm. 2024, 2025, the Champions League has expanded. France, in this season that's starting now, regains a Champions League direct spot, if you will. Okay. But they could have more, which is what we're saying. They, they've dropped significantly because of the way that their clubs and the way that the coefficient is calculated. It's how well clubs do in European competition and in Champions League, PSG bowed out in the round of 16. And in yeah, yeah. the other continental tournaments, there wasn't too much of, of, of long, uh, prolonged campaigns, mm-hmm. maybe so, Nice, maybe not.
2: So just for this season alone, is that number two and number three spot like of most importance? Is that where teams are trying to get?
4: Yeah, for sure. Finishing finishing towards Any, the Champions to League the top, spot for, right. for the following season, yeah. the one after this one, is 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 going to be very important. But not only that, I would say, the French teams have to do well in European competition. At this point, mm-hmm. it's who does better in Europe, France or the Netherlands. And you saw, for example, and and and. Um, conference League is super important and Europa League is super important. We saw that really long and, and deep run in the Conference League by AZ Alkmaar, for example. Mm-hmm. That all helps. That all just puts chips on the tables for a certain country. And, and France just kind of, yeah. they lost all their horses very early on. So if you're, if you're French, if you're a French soccer fan, Ironically, imagine PSG fans are gonna have to root for Marseille doing well in in, in <laughs> Champions I don't think that'll
3: League
0: happen. Nope. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I, but also, I mean, you know, the Ligue 1 is has been in transition now for a bit of a, a bit of a time now. You know, to go back to uh, I think, was it last year, or the season before? They had the issues with the TV rights mm-hmm. up until yeah, the last few minutes. They did. They had um, big during issues.
3: my time, it was solid.
0: Yeah, Le- well, Le- what happened when you left, bro? Lyon <laughs> and, and, cool, and
3: Marseille were always like the top two. Monaco, uh, we Monaco uh, and there was Monaco there. was very competitive, um, Bordeaux and then uh, PSG got bought and and the new ownership group came in and money started pouring in and then mm-hmm. that's got and Lille was super strong at the mm-hmm. time. Uh, you had mm-hmm. Gervinho and Hazard on, you, on you the the squad. You played against Hazard? Yeah. Nice. G- and Gervinho, they were the wingers wow. and phew, they that was a squad. <laughs> but I think once you are, are so focused on PSG with all the money, and they're buying the best players from mm-hmm. every team in Liga. It, it started to, to dilute the league. Yeah. And I think that's when you start to see
0: most of the, the you know, middle of the table down. Really drop off. It's a shame because that, that back in the day, you would have never heard like all I keep seeing in my group chats is oh, it's a farmers league, it's a farmers league. No. You would have never heard that there were ballers in Ligue 1. Yeah.
4: Oh, and even even ballers. when Lyon, and it was saucy. It was a saucy. Lyon strung together seven Ligue 1 titles. Back to back to back to back to back to back to back. Mm-hmm. And people weren't saying, they weren't talking about Liga on the same way they are talking about But Liga they were on a good in Champions League yeah. as well. Yeah, they were. Yeah.
3: Juninho Parabucano and Lisandro Lopez, dead ball L- L- Lita, Lita Lopez. You know what Bro, I'm saying? Oh my Lucho God. Gonzalez and Marseille. Lucha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so Liga was Mamadou Niang. Niang, remember Niang? Wow. And Bordeaux with Shamak. <laughs> Gorkuf. Oh my God, yes. Gorkouf
0: hey. was so good. It's I like have PTSD from Shamak, by the way. Yeah.
3: Mo- Monaco, L- Julie. Yeah, I mean, Julie you you had some real quality in, the, in, these, in this French league and it's, it's a league that gets purged of their really talent because yeah. in this Premier League, La Liga, even Bundesliga, they go into Liga because they know in terms of football development, mm-hmm. you, these players the are, are, are ta- technically and tactically sound but they're super athletic mm-hmm. and, and you can find some real gems so that's typically where a lot of these clubs go
0: hey, I'm going to by someone who's nice. maybe unproven, and- they poach Bundesliga, they poach Netherlands, and those leagues are on the come up. I mean, the league has got to do something. They've got to yeah. figure it out well, because it's a shame that they're called the Farmers League in these in this day. Because when I was young, don't they don't, was don't, ballers. don't do that. Don't do
2: that. Okay, so to that point, to that point, which teams stand out to you initially? You know, obviously, opening weekend is this weekend, but just what they've been able to do this summer. Any team, other than PSG, we'll think, Can, can keep
0: it up? Can uh, Lawns keep it can, up? Yeah, and, and can Rems, you know, come back from potentially Baligan Baligan. Mm-hmm. leaving? Um, I mean, yeah. there's a, you Great know. Point. Marseille has a big year mm-hmm.
4: coming up. They they have come close, but they're not there 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, look it up. I mean, with the expectations that the fans have on them, they're arguably... Thank God we're not talking where this show doesn't broadcast in France, but there are because a lot of people will be <laughs> mad at what I'm going to say. But this is probably the most mad football city. Um, Unahi, it, Morocco it on the screen You're right there, there, and 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 the expectation on this club is now they've suddenly become the little brother mm-hmm. when for. Years, they were kind of like the big dogs of, mm-hmm. of, of France. They're the only French team to win Champions League. So mm-hmm. uh, the expectations on Marseille to deliver, uh, you know, they have to lock in that Champions League spot. Like, mm-hmm. there's no excuses at this point. Yeah. Shout no.
3: out to Frank McCourt, the owner, Boston native. Wow. Okay. Owns Marseille. He owned the Dodgers before
0: that. But get yeah. this team back to glory. Let's yeah. go, yeah. Frank. France yep. is at a disadvantage when Marseille isn't great yeah that's it
2: okay so we said we were going to touch on PSG a little bit and obviously the Mbappe saga you're hoping that that's kind of cleared up by this weekend and that's been going on for a little while now they have Luis Enrique obviously is a new head coach um, but no Messi as we know and maybe no Mbappe what does PSG look like to you going forward I mean obviously still a lot of dominant players on this team but how do the pieces come together
3: well Luis Enrique has a, a, a big job, a big task, because it's not about winning Liga with PSG. Mm-hmm. It's about winning it's Champions League yeah. and competing for Champions League. And I, I feel for him because I like Luis Enrique. Mm-hmm. I, th- I know he's a good person, and he's a manager that, that wants, mm-hmm. he, he wants the best for the players. And he's going to do everything in his power to get PSG to compete. But mm-hmm. you need to know the answers to what Mbappe, is he going to be there, is he not? It seems like Mbappe... Is waiting for this Real Madrid move. Mm-hmm. Real Madrid are sitting there like, you gotta come to us, because we're not gonna come and pay anything, because mm-hmm. he can sit there and we're gonna have him for free. They're playing so, chicken and winning. And, and they're winning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. PSG put themselves in this position. Mm-hmm. When yeah. they put Mbappe above the club, mm-hmm. and they kind of did that with Neymar, where you can't, you can't they, they own you. You're paying them so much money that they can dictate when they train, when they come, when they they go, and you can't do anything about it because they're so important to the club. Mm -hmm. They paid them so much money that no one else is going to take them because they're not going to leave. They're going to stay on that contract and say, to the branding, and the marketing what? of the and club, so and
4: everything. The whole campaign of,
3: of, of PSG is. PSG, PSG put this, put really put themselves but in yeah. this You position. know
4: what? I have faith in Luis Enrique. He's always, he's like a n- no mess around attitude type of manager. He wasn't great with Spain, but he was always extraordinarily competitive. Mm-hmm. Even when he decided to not take certain legendary figures of the Spanish national team, um, you would have liked him to be maybe lift a trophy yeah. or two, but he was in Nations League at the Euros, a little bit underwhelming at the World Cup, but um, he's a good manager. Look what he did with with, with Barcelona, yeah. with a very talented Barcelona team. He knew how to manage A big lot of personalities, person- yeah. Oh, yeah, personalities that go along well together. I think mm-hmm. at a different, there's a different energy between that Barcelona team and, and, and this PSG side that I feel like there's a little bit more of entitlement. I was,
3: was
0: going to say, team. how awkward do you think it is for Ethan Mbappé? Uh, that's the Mbappé. <laughs> I think PSG should call Real Madrid go, yo, you want Mbappé for 10 million? And then say Ethan Mbappé.
3: got
2: to go to break. Yeah. Uh, when we come back, we're previewing the Women's World Cup matches headed our way over the next day or two. So stay with us on Morning Footy. Welcome back to Morning Footy. Here's a look at our footy fix for today. A big game between the New York Red Bulls Philadelphia Union in Leagues Cup and Charlotte taking on the Houston Dynamo. The winner will face Inter-Miami in Leagues Cup. And tomorrow morning, early, early, Jamaica taking on Colombia. And at 7 a.m., France takes on Morocco in the Women's World Cup. Very, very quickly, guys, predictions for these two games. Who do you think's taking them home?
1: Actually, who did, who who's do we say winning not
2: taking Jamaica, them home? <laughs> Jamaica, we like Jamaica. You like Welcome France. You think this Jam- is where Morocco's <laughs> Cinderella story maybe comes to yep. an end?
0: And Allez Le Bleu.
2: Ale Le Bleu. All right. Ale, 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 We
0: need We need Jamaica to win for our bracket to survive. Yes. <laughs> Although you want Morocco to win, I know. Yeah, but not going to happen. Yeah.
2: All right. Great stuff, guys. Everyone enjoy the games tonight and tomorrow morning. We'll see you right back here on Morning Footy